Hey everybody, welcome to the very first episode of Courtside Views. This is a brand new basketball podcast focusing on all things NBA. We're going to be covering what's trending, breaking news, anything that we can think of from award races, redrafts, NBA draft, player breakdowns, player comparisons, trade rumors, all the things that we can think of, and just give you our opinions on it. So I'm super excited to get this going. It's been a long time coming. I'm a basketball junkie, and I'm just excited to see you know, who comes by, gives a listen, and let's see where this thing goes. Uh, right now, today, in the very first episode, we're going to be talking about the quarter season review. Now that pretty much the entire NBA has played pretty much a quarter of their games, let's see what's going on. We're talking biggest surprises from you know off-season moves, biggest disappointments, as well as updated award races. Um, and obviously with that, you got to start with biggest surprises. So we're, we're going to hop right into it. First thing I got to talk about is there are two things that immediately come to mind with surprises. And surprises, we're going to go into more of a good way. Uh, first two things I'm thinking of are Chicago Bulls and Washington Wizards. I do really want to focus on the Wizards, though. They are have come out of the gate absolutely scorching hot. They are 14-8, which doesn't make sense compared to where everyone thinks of, you know, where they started in the offseason. In the offseason, they traded their star player, Russell Westbrook, and you really didn't know what they were going to get. They pretty much got a lot of role players in between, you know, Montrez Harrell, KCP, as well as Kyle Kuzma, who obviously led LeBron James to a ring. How on earth are they going to surround Bradley Beal and become a playoff contender? Their expectations were pretty much playing team, lower lottery, not really big expectations. And Bradley Beal was essentially saying, all right, he's pretty much going to go to the 76ers with all the Ben Simmons drama that was going on. Bradley Beal kind of committed to the team, said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick this out. Let's see where it goes. They hired a great new coach in West Sunset Jr. who just was able to get to the team right away. And they came out of the game hot. We're talking top three defense in the league for the first 10 games, came out firing. And Montrezl Harrell said, on the sixth man of the year again. Said, so forget about last season with Lakers. He's ready to go. This team, after you know, 22 games, they're 14 and 8, number two seed in the East. And if you were to tell me this team was going to be the number two seed in the East right off the bat, you'd be out of your mind. You're thinking Nets, Sixers, Miami Heat, probably the Bucks, obviously, you know, maybe a little championship hangover. But the Wizards are the number two seed at this point of the season is absolutely insane. But they're doing it from all angles. The biggest thing is really their defense. You know, from a team that was pretty much lower level last year when you're starting, really no shot blocking center, Westbrook and Bradley Beal at, at the guard spots, you're not getting a lot of defense. And they have been stepping up. They have the lowest three-point percentage made against them, and they have the number 12 defense overall in the league. Daniel Gafford is a huge addition to that team, really stepping up in the place of Thomas Bryant and being an actual shot blocker for the first time in Lord knows how long. Um, the Westbrook trade Really opened up the team. Was able to spread Bradley Beal's shooters. Kyle Kuzma's playing fantastic. KCP is able to fill in off the bench or in the starting spot. And Spencer Dimwee, after kind of not really able to play and really hasn't been able to show what he's been able to do, he does have his inefficiencies. He's not necessarily the most, you know, I think his career is about 42% from the field overall. He just brings juice to that team and it gives the spotlight over to Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal has shortened his shooting. You know, he's only averaging 22 points a game compared to a guy who almost led the league in scoring last year. But he's averaging over six assists. He is out there leading by example, spreading the love, becoming a playmaker for really the first time in his career. And it's showing. This team is buzzing out of the gate. And it's absolutely impressive. And, and that's something that we can really get behind. And when it's something like that happens, you have to just take notice. And that team has to be by far the biggest surprise of the year. When it comes to the Chicago Bulls, Obviously, they're probably the laughing stock of the offseason, in my opinion. When you go out and sign DeMar DeRozan, you know, you do that with a sign and trade with the Spurs. They're bringing in Lonzo Ball, who was a huge addition, in my opinion, but who the hell is going to play defense? 
you're rolling out DeMar DeRozan at the three, potentially four. I know he played the four with the Spurs. It just didn't make sense, in my in my opinion, what was going to happen. They were going to play defense. Nikola Vucevic has never played a lick of defense in their entire career. So now, all of a sudden, you're going to expect him to be a stop stopper at the five. It just doesn't make sense. Alex Crusoe is the key to that team. As of right now, he's leading the NBA at 2.3 steals a game. He's playing 30 minutes the first time in his career, and the Lakers regret every single decision they've ever made by letting him go. It makes absolutely no sense. He is buzzing. Yeah, Pat Williams is out for the year. That's a huge blow. But DeMars Rosen has stepped up, and Javante Graham, Javante Green, is out here playing small ball four, six foot four, and they're just playing really well. They're playing fast. They're playing to their strengths. DeMar DeRozan is being a great playmaker. He's out here averaging 27 points, almost five assists. Zach Levine is being a great spot-off shooter, kind of doing a little bit of what he did in the Olympics, saying, I'm ready to play defense. He's stepping up. Him, Lonzo, and Alex Crusoe are giving them absolutely pests on the defensive end on the perimeter, and they are saying they're here to stay. Yes, as of right now, they are in the top five seed, but you can definitely see them pushing for home court by the end of the season. I think right now they've definitely cooled off. They had a really, really strong start, but their strength schedule was absolute garbage. They were one of the worst strength schedules to start of this league. So I want to see more from them, more to the all-star rate before I really give them that, give them all that hype. But right now, the biggest surprise of the season has to be Washington Wizards. Now, with surprises comes disappointments. The Lakers are an obvious one. I really don't want to go too much of them because I feel like they get all the attention of every single podcast, every newsletter, anything that has to do with LeBron. Obviously, you're going to get a lot of news. Um, I don't understand the fit. I does, Russell Westbrook on that team just doesn't make sense. I'm a huge Cavaliers fan. I've been for a very long time. The success around LeBron is shooting. Shooting, shooting, and shooting. The fact that that man can drag Booby Gibson, Delonte West, Mo Williams, and... Sasha, Pav- Sasha Pavlich to the NBA Finals just because they can shoot threes. Why does it make sense to go out and get Russell Westbrook? It, there's no rhyme or reason that you go out and you get Russell Westbrook besides the fact that he's a name and you want to form a big three. Well, that big three has led them to a 500 record and they are in the playing tournament as of right now. Yes, I know LeBron really has not played a lot of games. Currently, he's in COVID protocol, but this is the time for Russell Westbrook to shine. This is Russell Westbrook's time to say, LeBron's only at this point where he shouldn't really be playing more than 60, 65 games, 70 pushing it in the regular season. They brought him Westbrook to be an innings eater. They brought him in to let LeBron rest. So when the playoffs came, it's a three of them going. I am not scared at all of a lineup that features Russell Westbrook, Trevor Ariza, Taylor Horton Tucker, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. There's no floor spacing. There's nothing. It just doesn't make sense. And now, all of a sudden, Frank Vogel is on the hot seat. The guy that led the team to a championship in 2020, now, all of a sudden, all the onus falls on him. It just doesn't make sense. I never understood that. LeBron obviously picks his coaches. He, if something doesn't go well, kind of veers off to the side. I get it. I understand it. He's really able to do whatever he wants, and he kind of handpicked Russell Westbrook. But I really think that as he gets older, you're going to kind of need to go with what works, and this just doesn't make sense. Can they try and get out of it? You've heard the John Wall rumor. John Wall obviously wants to play. He is a way better shooter than Russell Westbrook. Not a great shooter, but the spacing makes sense. He's unselfish. He still has a lot of juice in those legs. You saw it last year, averaging 20-8 and in a very short amount of time. Is that a risk they're willing to take? I don't think they're going to blow it up quite yet, but come the All-Star break, if they're still in that playing tournament, I really don't think that you can just keep rolling with these punches. LeBron's not at that point in career. Anthony Davis is not 2020 bubble Anthony Davis. He's really not coming out averaging 30, 15, and anchoring your defense. He 
besides that, you know, quick three month stint, you're not going to get that from him. It just doesn't make sense. So disappointment wise is obviously letting Alex Caruso go, putting a lot of their eggs in the Taylor Horton Tucker basket. I don't really get it. It doesn't really make sense to me, but they're rolling with it. They're 11 and 11. And I guess we'll see where it goes. Uh, the second biggest appointment, Sacramento Kings. I know it kind of sucks to like rag on the Sacramento Kings because they really haven't done anything in the past, I think, 16 years, almost 20 years. Uh, besides, you know, C-Web, Mike Bibby, Doug Christie, and, and all that gang. Like, they're incredible, obviously, but we are way past that point in the air, and I don't really know what they're doing. In the offseason, you, know, you get a lottery pick. They're obviously constantly in the lottery. When your best two players on your team are guards, why are you drafting another guard? How on earth is De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and Donovan, I'm sorry, and Davion Mitchell going to make sense? This is not college. You cannot roll out a lineup of three guards. And Luke Wallen's all excited. They're hyping him up. They're getting ready to three-guard lineup, three-guard lineup, three-guard lineup. That three-guard lineup has played less than 40 minutes together. That's it. Less than 40 minutes together because it just doesn't work. Luke Walton, before he got fired, and bring in the always fantastic associate head coach, Alvin Gentry. The only reason that he took the Kings job is because he knew that he was going to get, get a chance when Luke Walton got fired. Is was starting Mo Harkless at small forward. For what? For absolute what? How does that make sense in any way, shape, or form that you're rolling out Mo Harkless, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, Tyrese Halliburton, and De'Aaron Fox? Nobody wants to see that. Not a single person that watches the NBA wants to see that lineup. They were apparently involved in wanting Ben Simmons. It makes sense. But you have to give up one of those guards. You have to give up De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox and Joel Embiid pick and roll will be incredible. But focusing on the Kings, they were the, historically one of the worst defensive teams in NBA history last year. And I get bringing in Davion Mitchell to try and fix that. But if you're not going to start him and you're not going to play him in that role, what are you doing? De'Aaron Fox is a max player in theory. He's a young guy in a smaller market. Yes, Sacramento's a smaller market. Yes, they're in California, but they're just not up to par. He got the max deal, but what has he really done? He hasn't made an all-star team. He had a really good really good year last year, averaging almost 24 and, 24 and 8. But what, what has he done? They haven't made the playoffs. They haven't, they're not even sniffing the playing game. So something has to give. And Ben Simmons, while, yes, he has tremendous flaws. He literally would not dunk on a six-foot Trey Young. But that's for another day. He is an all-NBA level defender. He's proven that he can do that. And when you have gunners like Bradley Beal, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, who's a dog on defense, you put him in a lineup with those guys, Rishon Holmes, who is an analytics dream, him and Larry Nance, it's going to work out. And the Sixers need that kind of guard. Tyrese Maxey stepped up, obviously, but in the offseason, Maxey hadn't stepped up yet. That's your time to go after Terrell Morey. He has stated over and over he wants an all-star level guard. De'Aaron Fox is right on that sub-tier of an all-star level guard. So you have to go after that. It has to make sense. You just do it. But here they are sitting in their hands, and now Luke Walden is out of job. And another big part of that is the mismanagement of Marvin Bagley. Now, the Kings have not drafted well ever. Just They do not draft well. They don't do it. So I understand the Davion Mitchell pick because it just goes along who they are. But he was drafted number two overall. Coming out of the draft, that man was an Amari Stoudemire 
clone. Bouncy as all hell. 6'11", 230. Could dunk on literally anybody. Obviously, he doesn't play a lick of defense, and I understand that. But you have to see what you get to not to trade him. Trade the guy. Exiling him to the bench is literally saying, we screwed up. Whatever. We'll see what happens. It makes no sense. Trade him. Trade him or play him. There's no between. Having him sit on the bench just shows how absolutely mismanaged this franchise is. And they are constantly going to be a disappointment until they make a trade. Having these three guards, keeping Buddy healed. I understand they were kind of in on that Kyle Kuzma trade right before you know Westbrook kind of came in. I understand that. But it didn't happen. You still have to make that trade. You still have Buddy Heald. You still have Davion Mitchell. You still have De'Aaron Fox. You still have Halliburton. You still have no answer. At what point do the Kings blow it up and say, we are going to suck or we're going to get Ben Simmons. We're going to make a trade that makes sense. And until they do that, they are always going to be my biggest disappointment. (laughs) We're going to hop right into a personal favorite of mine is the rookie of the year. This draft class got a lot a lot of hype. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes, the international sensation Josh Giddy. This draft class was absolutely stacked, but it was arguably from the top three picks. They were saying if you got a top three pick, you were getting a number one overall pick in the draft class. And so far, it has looked like that. Cade Cunningham obviously was hurt early in the year. It wasn't really able to get do his feng shui, but you saw that duel that he had against the Nets where he dropped 25, 8, and 8. He looked like a Luka Doncic clone. He was a master in the pick and roll. He was hitting jump shots. He was hitting step backs. He was getting in the paint. He was playing pretty decent defense. There was a couple times on Durant. Obviously, you're not going to stop Durant, but the fact that he was really even going full force at him, being physical and able to kind of push him off a spot, that's huge for a guy that, it just turned 20 years old. That's massive. The Pistons have an absolute animal there. He hasn't really played enough games, so you really can't put him in that rookie of the year category yet. But he's going to be, he's, yeah, at the end of the season, if he keeps playing like that, it'd be kind of tough to keep him out. Jalen Green has been exactly as advertised. He has put out displays of 30 points, highlight dunks, a little bit of playmaking, but extremely inefficient. He's shooting under 40%. He's shooting in the low 30s from three. But they are giving him the whole runway. They're giving him and KPJ the entire, just, hey, go play basketball. They're essentially running organized pickup at this point. There's really no rhyme or reason to what they're doing, which is going to lead to really bad habits. And I really hope Siles kind of figures it out or he's probably going to be out of a job soon. But Jalen Green has to get the keys. You have to get the keys. They have four first-round picks in that roster with Shangun, Josh Christopher, and Garuba. You have to go all out for the young guys. And I understand that. But Jalen Green's the leader. He's the one that's going to be there. But when it comes to Rookie of the Year, he is way too inefficient to really be considered until he gets that shooting percentage up and until he really lowers that turnovers. I really can't see how he's going to be considered in Rookie of the Year. Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley. He is a bona fide superstar. And I would tell you right now that if the Pistons had a redo, they would take Evan Mobley number one overall. He... The fact that he was able to take a Cavaliers team who are near and dear to my heart, who are one of the worst defensive teams in the league, starting a very undersized backcourt in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, a undersized small forward in Isaac Okoro, a power forward in Kevin Love who did not want to be there and does not play defense, and then Jared Allen, who is obviously a great defensive player. They're playing Evan Mobley at the four. He is guarding one through five. 
And that team, the Cleveland Cavaliers team, are the number three defensive team in the league. That is because of Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley missed five games with a sprained elbow. That defense dropped to 26th in the league when he was not in there. Rookies do not have that high of a defensive impact. They just don't. They never have. Evan Mobley is the pure definition of a unicorn. He is exactly what they wished Kristaps Porzingis would be on the defensive end of that long, lanky shot blocker, but also able to shuffle his feet, stay in front of guards. You see him when JB in the beginning of the season was putting him in the 1-3-1, but he was up top. What is Trey Young supposed to do at six foot, trying to shoot from the logo with a seven foot, seven foot five wingspan? Evan Mobley is just there to test your shot. He is leading the NBA in shot contests. He's averaging 14 points, eight rebounds, almost three assists, and two blocks a game. He can do literally everything. He's shooting a little bit from three, not a great percentage, but the fact that he's even shooting it this early on shows that he's going to get there. It's very slow developing. It really, the form is kind of there, but it's really not overall what it's going to be. But the fact that he's even shooting shows that him and Jared Allen are going to be able to play together for a very long time and be incredible defensively. That opens up the floor for Darius Garland in so many different ways, and he is really stepping up. But from a straight rookie of the year candidate, how does anybody... Look at Evan Mobley and say he is not the leading candidate. The only player that I would say even kind of comes close is Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes looks freaking incredible. He has stepped in. Pascal Siakam was hurt to start the year. Scotty Barnes has come in and said, I got the offense. Don't worry. OG has looked really good, but super inefficient. He was shooting under 40% for the first 20 games. Scotty Barnes was getting in the paint, playmaking, shooting from three, which nobody saw that coming not a single person the raptors were essentially like shunned from the offseason in the nba draft coverage when everyone when they took scotty barnes at four and they didn't take jalen suggs i was not big on jalen suggs i think that he's a master of none i think he's a great competitor i think he's incredible when it comes to his work ethic and he obviously people kind of fell in love with that buzzer beater against ucla i understand it but the guy was playing absolute garbage competition wasn't a superstar in college. He was just based on his performances against lower-level competition. Yes, they made it to the championship. I understand that. But he's not a great shooter. He's not a, he's not a point guard. Not really a shooting guard. Not a great playmaker. Great Has great hustle on defense. And he is athletic. I understand that. But people said the same thing about Evan Turner. And I really see a lot of comparisons to his game from Evan Turner. He's not shooting efficiently from the floor. He's not shooting efficiently from three. He has a very bad assist turnover ratio, and he only has six games in double digits. I don't really see it, and I think that the Magic are going to regret that decision. I think they would have been really cool with Josh Giddy, and I really like what, he, what Josh Giddy's doing. Obviously, Western Conference player, um, rookie of the month, has been a perfect seamless fit in that offense for the Oklahoma City Thunder. That Thunder team also did just get beat by an NBA record 73 points, which is absolutely absurd, and I feel like we have to call that out, but that's beside the point. Josh Giddy's looked awesome. Shooting is really isn't there, but he's playmaking. He's rebounding. He's scoring a little bit. And that team is also a glorified G League team. They are just starved for talent. And they have guys like Pokushevsky, who just, I don't really know what he is. But they do have a bona fide star in Shai Gilchrist-Alexander. So you have SGA. You have Lou Dort. You have Giddy. Let's see if it works out. The Magic's best rookie, though, is Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner has been the perfect glue guy. And the Magic probably should have taken him at five. 
but obviously Jalen Suggs was the hype guy. But none of those guys really are fitting into the rookie of the year. But you just see we have rolled out the first eight players, and all of those guys are putting themselves in the rookie of the year campaign. You would probably say Jalen Suggs, just based on pure volume, will still be in that conversation. But from an efficiency-wise, he's kind of in the same boat as Jalen Green. Of It just doesn't make sense to put them in there. But number one's got to be Evan Mobley. Number two, I'd say Scotty Barnes. And at this point, I'd have to say Giddy's number three. But we'll see. Defense wins championships. Got to focus on defense for right now. And when we're talking defensive player of the year, the comeback man, Draymond Green. As a Cavaliers fan, I despise him. I hate everything about him. But the man plays defense. You really can't argue against him. He would have to say he's probably one of the top five defenders of all time. He is the epitome of a glue guy, can guard one through five, can do anything. He can body up the centers. He's gone out there and guarded guys like Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. He will guard point guards like Trey Young on switches. He'll step out on Dame Lillard. He'll do anything that you physically ask him. He is an orchestrator on defense. He is the second highest defensive rating in the entire league behind Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert, yes, from a defense perspective, is incredible, obviously. But he does not orchestrate the team. He is very tall. He's very athletic. From a pure defensive intangible perspective, Draymond Green is the guy. They do. They are starting Kevin Looney at center. They don't have a bona fide shot blocker. They really don't have defensive guards. They have Stephen Curry, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins is super athletic. Still doesn't play defense. Doesn't make sense to me. Iguodala is almost 40. Otto Porter has never played defense. Bielitsa doesn't know how to play defense. They are the best defense in the NBA, and it's not even close because they have Draymond Green. That is the only answer. Draymond Green has the second highest plus minus in the league behind Stephen Curry, and there's really no argument. Draymond Green is the NBA's best defensive player. He is the defensive player of the year, and I will not take anything else for an answer. Draymond Green has the Warriors playing with a level of juice that doesn't make sense. You look around the entire team, and that team should not be good defensively. If we're talking prime Clay, prime Iguodala, and all these other tangibles, I get it. It makes sense. But look at who's on that roster. And you try and find me who a plus defender is. Curry has never been this good of a defender because he has something to prove. And Draymond Green is out here orchestrating the entire thing. And I'm super excited to see what this team looks like when James Wiseman finally comes back. And obviously, we're all excited for Klay Thompson, even as a Cavaliers fan. Klay Thompson's just good for the game, man. I'm super excited for him to come back. Hopefully, the G League stint goes good. The Achilles comes back great. The ACF comes back great. And if he is 75% of himself, this team's going to be incredible. But from a defense perspective, you incorporate Wiseman and you get an actual physical shot blocker out there, seven foot one long, and you can let Draymond just play in the Giannis role of the help. Giannis never guards the team's best player. He is so good at that free safety role in playing on the wing, playing help, playing in that role. And that's kind of in that knack of Draymond will do whatever is best. Giannis kind of does that same thing. Giannis is just way better shot blocker. And I always want to give the nod to Draymond because he's only 6'7". What he's able to do at such limited height, in my opinion, gives him the edge over a guy like Giannis, over a guy like Rudy Gobert, because they, they are born athletic freaks. They have something that other players just obviously do not have, and that's length. Draymond Green is six foot seven, 240. 
what he's able to do in the defensive end just cannot be overmatched. And that man is the defensive player of the year. And we'll see where the rest goes. MVP. The Evil Empire is back. I know we just did a little bit about the Warriors, but we got to keep it going. Steph Curry is here. He's back. He heard it all. He's ready. He returned last year, but they lost in the playing game. This team is 2015 to 2018 Warriors. They have everything. They have the juice. They have the moxie. They have Stephen Curry. Steph Curry is number two in the league in scoring. He is not shooting the ball well. He's just not. He has been very inefficient to start the league. And he is going to break his three-point record by almost 40 made three-pointers, shooting at arguably his worst three-point percentage of his entire career. When he figures it out when Clay comes back, when Wiseman comes back, he's only going to get better. And that doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense how a player of his caliber can get better at age. That's like LeBron James caliber. He is a freak of nature with what he's able to do on the floor and how he's able to shoot and how he's able to change a game. He is the MVP. This team is just different with him. He's obviously number one in plus minus. He has the league's best record. And what he's able to do doesn't make sense. You do have to give credit to what Durant's doing with the Nets. James Harden looks like the rules changed, and he just completely forgot how to play basketball. He is complaining about everything when he goes goes to the lane. He's throwing his hands up. He's trying to trap everybody as if the rules have not changed, and he's just going to just get these foul calls. It's not working. He is one of his lowest assist turnover ratios in the past five years. He is getting the free throw line at one of the worst rates since he's been to Houston. And here we are. James Harden is averaging under 20 points a game. He's Yes, he's averaging eight assists. But it just, it doesn't look good. It looks bad. It looks like you forgot how to play basketball. And with all that, the Nets are still the number one seed in the East. They're still 15-7. They're still here. And that's Kevin Durant. Kyrie is Lord knows where. And he's doing all of this without Joe Harris. Blake Griffin is just a complete shell of a human being. There's not a single ounce of juice in that man's legs. And LaMarcus Aldridge is LaMarcus Aldridge shooting mid-range until the day that he dies. And he retired, comes back, and he's just here like he never left. You have to give Durant his credit. You just have to. And I get that. You're going to do it. Same with Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray went down. ACL last year. He's not coming back this year. Because he shouldn't. Michael Porter Jr. That back has always been a massive red flag. It's why he fell in the draft. And you do want him to get better, obviously. But it's tough. Back surgery. It's going to be tough for him to come back from that. He's out for the year now. P.J. Dozier, out for the year. Jokic is playing the best that he's ever played. And he's third in the MVP race. This guy was last year's MVP. And the way that he's playing, the best basketballs of his career, he is third. That is how deep this league is right now. That is how deep this team is. That is how deep this everything is. And he is third. I'm super excited for what's going on right now. The NBA is buzzing. The East is finally back from a deep standpoint. You have so many teams in that playing team. The Cavaliers are competitive. They're the, they're the top five team in the East. The Knicks, who finally benched Kemba Walker, are now out here starting Alec Burks and are taking the Nets to the brink. You're going to see them in there. The Hornets are so cool from a running gun team with the Mellow Ball and Miles Bridges. 
that NBA is the most competitive that it's been in a very long time, and it is wide open. The best two teams in the league are obviously the Warriors and the Suns, and that game was absolutely incredible. And the fact that the Suns were able to force Steph Curry to shoot four of 21 is absolutely insane. Mikael Bridges is, he looks like a Bruce Bowen clone. Six foot seven, long, hand in your face, is just there at all times. The Suns are going to be there. The Warriors are going to be there. That's going to be, hopefully, hopefully we get that Western Conference matchup. We don't want to watch the Jazz. The Jazz are going to blow it like they always do. They are constantly going to blow it. When they get to the Western Conference Finals, then come talk to me. But as of right now, don't talk to me about the Jazz. I don't care. I don't want to know about it. It's all about the Warriors and the Suns right now. And in the East, I would say it has to be the Nets right now, just because no real team has stepped up right now. And maybe if James Harden figures it out and if Kyrie gets vaccinated... Who knows? But they have to be it. The Bucks are still without Brooke Lopez. They're still trying to get their footing. They look really just in shambles. Milton got COVID. Drew Holiday was hurt. So I understand. It's, it's, it's a difficult situation to kind of come back from. But I really don't know where it's going to go. And I do expect them to get better. Obviously, they have Giannis. So it's always going to kind of bounce back. But until they really show that kind of they have a plan and what's going on, it's going to be tough to pick them to, to repeat. And one thing that I do want to feature real quick is Miami Heat. As long as they have Eric Spolstra behind the bench and what's going down, they are going to be competitive. That team knows what they are. And Tyler Hero, he said he was in the same conversation as John Moran and Luka Doncic. We all thought he was high as a kite. But he's here. He's playing 21 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, shooting the hell of the lights out. I'm not saying he's John Moran. I'm not saying he's Luka Doncic, but he's a damn good ball player. And you can see him be the first guy come off the bench to make an all-star game since Kobe. That's a crazy. And I'm excited to see what he's doing. He's finishing games. Duncan Robinson got paid and literally forgot how to shoot. But their closing lineup is dirty. Their closing lineup is fantastic. When you're rolling out Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, and Bam Adebayo, you can switch anything. That team, you do not want to see that team in the playoffs because they are built for the playoffs. They are built to be physical. They are built to be in your face all day, every day. And I'm just so excited to see what the rest of the team and what the rest of the season brings because the match is going to be incredible. The Christmas games are going to be fantastic, obviously, coming up. And there are just so many things to go over that it just really gets you excited and amped for what the NBA is going to bring. And hopefully you guys enjoy the quarter season preview. And thank you guys for stopping by for the very first season, the very first episode of Course I See you guys next week.